We are in the third week of the series called How to Be, What Jesus Says About Relationships. And this morning, we're looking at family. We're looking at family. I'm going to open up the message here this morning, and Pastor Colin is going to come out with some real practical hands-on tools for working with your family. So, uh, so let's get started. As we lay our family at the foot of Jesus, at the foot of the cross, it changes everything. It changes everything. Now, when it comes to family, we all wear many hats. We wear many roles. I do myself. In fact, right now, there's, there's, there's two roles that are really getting most of my investment, most of my time, most of my energy, and that is the role of husband and the role of dad. And so I got a picture of my family here. Uh, you'll see my wife, Lisa, and then you will see my three girls. You'll see Annika. She's our oldest. She's 10. You will see Emma. She's our one sandwiched in the middle there. Um, and she is so excited. She's seven. Um, she's almost eight. She counts herself as eight already. And then Olivia is four. And man, I tell you what, I, I love my family. They are such a blessing. But you know, they're not, that's not the only hats that I wear. It's not just husband and it's not just dad, but I'm also brother, as you saw already. I'm son. I'm a grandson. I'm a nephew. I'm an uncle. Um, I'm a cousin. And we can go on and on and on. I don't know what second and third cousin mean, to be honest with you. Um, if you're beyond that initial realm of family, I'm either your uncle or I'm your cousin. Doesn't matter which, right? And so, but, but the reality is, in my family, I have some amazing relationships. And in my family, I have some really difficult and not so good relationships. Chances are you share that with me. Family's complicated. And regardless of how you define family or who you call family, because it looks a little bit different for all of us. The reality is I think we all want the same thing. I think we all want, we want happy, healthy family. I don't think there's anybody here, there's anybody listening to my voice that thinks, oh man, I want a manipulative, conniving, mean family, right? Whoo, toxic family, sign me up. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants disobedient kids, rebellious kids, snotty kids. Nobody wants that. We all want happy, healthy family. Now, we have family members that might be toxic and might be mean, but the truth of the matter is we really want family that's like our best friend. That's what we really want. And I got to be honest with you, Jesus wants the same thing for you. Jesus wants you to be a part of a happy, healthy family. So today, we're going to dive into God's Word, and we're going to look at some basic principles for how we can invest in our families and help shape our families to be happy and healthy. So grab your outlines, open it up if you're online, and let's get started with point number one, because we've got two truths that we've got to look at to lay this foundation before we can talk too much about family. Uh, the first truth is this, we all have the power to lead our family. We all have the power 
to lead. And power is not just authority. You see, if you are a parent of young kids like I am, you have authority. You tell them what to do and they do it or else. But for most of our family relationships, we don't have the power of authority. We have the power of influence. We influence with the questions that we ask, with, with the, the thoughts that we share, our responses with our actions. We have the power of influence. And to be honest with you, maybe you wish you had that authority, but influence is much more powerful because authority shapes behavior, but influence shapes hearts shapes thoughts, and true power is in influence. Here's the thing about that. You have it in your family whether you want it or not. You can't get away from it. Everything you say or don't say, everything you do or don't do is influence. If you have a family member that you've not spoken to for 10 or 15 years, that's influence. You're telling them about what you believe about Jesus. You're telling them about what you believe about grace, about what you believe about forgiveness. You can't get away from it. You have the power of influence and you are influencing your family, whether you're doing that intentionally or unintentionally. So I want to encourage you, be intentional about your influence because that's the power that you have. The second truth that we need to hang on to is the biggest impact you'll have in your family comes out of who you are. The biggest impact you will ever have in your family comes out of who you are. Who you are matters. I'm always telling parents, your kids will grow up to become you. I grew up and in many ways became my parents. And so you can't lead your kids. You can't tell them to be something that you're not. We all know that words and deeds, they have to match up. And so if you don't like who you are, if you look at yourself and you don't want your kids to grow up like you, it's time to change. That's the only thing you can do about it. You've got to change. And this is a, this is a biblical principle. There's this guy that comes up to Jesus and he asks him, hey, what is the most important thing in the world? What am I supposed to be doing? What is the greatest commandment, he asks? And Jesus responds, and and many of you know this passage. He responds and he says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And this is the first and great commandment, but there's a second one that's equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The order in which Jesus responds is no accident here. What Jesus is saying is before you can focus on your neighbor, on your family, you first have to look at yourself. The greatest commandment, it begins with love the Lord your God. Are you healthy? Because who you are matters 
most. Everything is going to come out of that. You can't love your neighbor well until you've learned to love God and you've given him everything. You've given him your heart. And so you want a happy, healthy family. It begins with you. You have to be healthy first. And I understand that many of us here are working on that are working on that, right? Hopefully we're making some progress. If, if there's those of you that are in here and you're saying, yes, amen, I want to do that, I want to grow, I need to get healthy, but how? What's my first step? Where do I grow? Well, you're in luck. Next month, we've got our core classes. They happen every other month, and core classes are really designed to walk you through understanding God's plan and purpose for your life. It's the foundational things that you need to be paying attention to, that we need to be paying attention to if we want to be healthy. So get signed up, go through the core classes. There's four of them. They're great and they're amazing. That will help you plot a course and understand what does it look like? Where do you need to be working in your life to be healthy? It will help you. It will help your family. So get plugged in there. So those are the two foundational truths, right? Those are the two, first two things that are so, so key and honestly, you, you can't change them. You have the power to influence and that influence is gonna come out of who you are. So with that foundation laid, let's talk about, okay, what can we do? Are there some strategies that we can utilize to invest in happy, healthy family? And there are, there's, there's two that I wanna point out today. And the first one is this, you have to lead because we're all leading Lead with the end in mind. You have to lead with the end in mind. What is the end? What is the ultimate? Where is God taking us? Well, heaven. Heaven, of course. God is going and preparing a city for us to live in together. And that city is described as a place of perfect relationship with one another and with God. That's the end goal. That's where we're all headed. And this life is preparation for that. We're going to spend a little bit of time here and eternity with God. And so you are here and I am here to be refined and to be refining one another to be ready for heaven. That's the end. And I can't help but think that so many have lost sight of that. As I work so often with parents and with kids, I notice that, that many of us, we lose sight of heaven and we pay really close attention to athletics. Or we lose sight of heaven and our end all, be all for our kids is academic success or financial success. And what happens is school and athletics and hobbies end up becoming the most important thing where we spend all of our time, all of our money, all of our focus, and preparing for eternity gets put on the back burner. These are good things, wonderful things, but they're a means to an end. If you raise an academic juggernaut, a pro athlete, a computer genius, but 
they're not in love with Jesus, you've missed the mark. You've missed the mark. And I'm talking about kids, but the truth is, this is true of all of our relationships. We are here to prepare one another for eternity. And, and we've got to lead with that. Because if we keep that in our mind and we look at all of our relationships through that lens, it changes everything. So one, we've got to begin with the end in mind. And two, we've got to focus on what we can give rather on what we can get. We've got to focus on what we can give rather than what we can get. Maybe this seems like a no-brainer. If you're a parent in here, if you're a grandparent in here, you can count that you've given so much and I appreciate that and that's wonderful and that is your responsibility. That is your responsibility. That is our responsibility. But what's so interesting is it's so subtle, but oftentimes we're actually focusing on what we get because we get really good things from family. I know when my kids were born, they unlocked parts of my heart that I didn't even, gosh, I didn't even know they existed. My parents to this day, my in-laws to this day, they provide security, they provide help, they provide wisdom, experience. My brother, my brothers provide a safe space to process. My kids have helped me through some of the darkest moments of my life. They've brought joy in such great loss. And the reality is family gives such good things and great things, healthy family does. And, and sometimes we get caught up in that and we don't even realize it. I mean, sometimes family gives anger and resentment and disrespect, right? This here is the root of so many family problems we get two people who look at what the other ought to be giving them, and then it leads to tension, fighting, and broken relationship. You see, if you want happy, healthy family, you've gotta stop looking at what you can get. You have to stop expecting out of other people to be something for you, to give something for you the way they ought to be. And you should be paying attention to what you can offer and pour into that relationship because you have so much to give your kids. And you have so much to offer aging parents. And you have so much to offer your kids now that you're an empty nester, it changes. But you have so much to offer. And you have to be careful that you're not offering only because of what you get back. It's very subtle, but we do it all the time. You see, you have so much to offer that non-believing cousin that doesn't know about the love of Jesus. And when you begin to thinking about the end in mind and what we can give, suddenly it changes everything. You know that family gathering that you just dread, that you just loathe, that you just don't want to be at? God's given you purpose. God's given you responsibility. God's given you meaning and value. And this is what living in the kingdom does. We focus with this end, this ultimate eternity in mind, the love and grace and truth of Jesus. 
and that we have so much to give and so much to offer. Now, Pastor Colin's going to come out and he's going to share with us the, the practical implications of how we do this and what this looks like. Uh, with this new mindset, how do we invest in our families as we lead them? So good. Thanks, Travis. Man, such, such great reminders of, of man, how we can lead our family, to lead with the end in mind and focus on what we can give rather than get. And you know, one of the ways that we can do this for our family, uh, man, is pointing to and, and affirming and encouraging uh, and speaking to who they are instead of just what they do. To be concerned with who they're becoming rather than just all the bad things that they do. To be concerned about their character rather than their, just their behavior. In fact, I'm so grateful to have grown up in a family that, uh, that man, that, that, that did this, that valued this. One of the things that my, um, my family would say all the time, you guys have those things in your family where your parents, they just say that thing over and over and over and over and over again and you just roll your eyes as kids. You're like, seriously, stop. I heard you say that over and over. You have those things, yes? Kids in the room, you know what I'm talking about? Well, well when I was growing up, my parents would say this over and over and over and over and this is one of those things for me, but growing up, I'm grateful that they did. They used to say, remember, Remember who you are. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. Every day, my dad would drop us off at school. He'd give us a high five, and he'd say, "Remember who you are." Everywhere we went, and 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 he would say, he would say, uh, he would tell us that what this meant was that remember that you belong to the family of God, and remember that you belong to the Crane family, and nothing can change those things. That's what he would remind us of regularly. In in fact, one of the things he did when we were going into high school, from eighth grade into high school, promotion, graduation, I don't, whatever they call it now, uh, is they, they gathered this uh, group of, of older guys, older mentors, pastors. Travis was actually one of them. Uh, Ronnie and Kevin and Kyle and my grandpa and just these incredible mentors in my life that I got to learn from. And, and they came over for dinner uh, and we ate some good food because, you know, what else do you do when guys get together? You eat good food. And, uh, and so we came over, we sat around the din- dinner table. They and they encouraged me and challenged me in who I was as, uh, as I was going into high school. And one of the things they did is they wrote me these letters uh, and I still have, we came across them the other day. I have them right here. My dad wrote me a letter. All of these people had an opportunity to write me a letter. They just said things like, my dad said things like, uh, man, Colin, uh, you are someone who loves people well. He pointed that out. He said, you, uh, you notice people. He pointed specific situations. You notice people who are left out. And he would say things like, man, Embrace your uniqueness. He said, remember who God created you to be. Don't just try to conform to the way other people act in high school. What great reminders, right? Kevin, uh, Kevin said, uh, I, let's see if I can flip to it and I'll just show you real quick. Kevin uh, said some this is who God says Colin Crane is, right? And he just listed these things that had scripture in them. Colin is justified, Colin is chosen, Colin has been given grace, right? All things that, that, that are truth foundationally. And my grandpa said things like, hey, Colin, remember to prepare your heart and line your heart up with God's before you go anywhere. And these were just helpful reminders as I go into high school, but they lasted to today and encouraged me to this day because these are people who had the end in mind and focused on what they could give rather than get. And I want you to know that, man, you might be sitting here and saying, that's great for you, that's awesome for you, but what about me? But I want you to know that it's never too late to be this for your family. 
It's never too late to have this opportunity to speak into who they are instead of just pointing out all the things they do wrong. Regardless of your role in the family, you have an opportunity to influence and lead them and live this out, to lead them in the right direction to the feet of Jesus. So, so how do we do this, right? That, that's the question. How do we do this? Well, uh, we came up with four things. There's probably thousands. There's probably a million. There's probably way more, but we came up with four things, and uh, I think acronyms are help us, help us kind of remember things sometimes, so hopefully this helps us. But when we talk about leading, L-E-A-D, there's four things that start with these uh, that start with these letters, four things that what, what it looks like to lead our family well. And the first one is this. The first one is look for gospel opportunities. Everybody say look. Look for gospel opportunities. I grew up with four brothers. And so you can imagine that in our family, there was a lot of wrestling. There was a lot of fighting. There was a lot of punching each other. We had lots of black eyes and stitches and broken arms. And it was great. It was fun, right? And I mean, what else do you do in a family of, you know, boys? And uh, one of the games that we used to play was in the car. In the car, we used to play this game uh, called Slugbug. Some of you probably know what that is, right? When, when we're in the car, we're in the back seat, and, and what we're doing is we're keeping an eye out. We're paying attention for a Volkswagen bug, right? And, and when we we see that if someone yells out, the first person to yell out slug bug, they get to turn the person next to them and punch them in the arm as hard as they can, right? I mean, it was amazing. It was awesome. What else do you do in the car, right? We didn't, you know, anyway. And so it was great. Uh, but, but man, this had us so focused on finding the right thing. It got us in trouble, right? My, one of the things my dad and my mom made us do all the time was sit on our hands in the car. It, it helped a little bit, but you know, when we saw one, it was like, uh, but right? But, but what did we do? Man, our, our attention was so focused on, I gotta find, I gotta be the first one. Because number one, I don't wanna get punched. And number two, I really wanna punch my brother, right? <laughs> and so we, we looked, we were attentive to, I gotta find, I gotta be the first one. Man, what if, what if, uh, what if we put the same excitement to looking for God in everyday ordinary life? What if we, we were people who kept our eyes open to the way that God was giving grace every single day? God is present. God is there. The fact that you have breath in your lungs today is a gift of God's grace. But the question is, do we continually point to it? And do we continually tell people this is God's goodness? What if, what if our families were people who regularly pointed to say, that was God? Hey, remember when God was faithful? Hey, we know that this is hard, but God, we know that God will continue to be faithful. What if this just became the norm in our family? Deuteronomy says it like this. In chapter six, he says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Might sound familiar, right? And then he says, you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them on your hands, wear them on your forehead as reminders, write them on your doorposts, on your house and on your gates. What he's saying is we have to love God with everything and talk about God in everything. We have to love God with all that we are and talk about God's goodness and grace in everything that we do. Sometimes we feel the pressure to just manufacture moments of worship to point to God, but this is not, notice that that's not what Deuteronomy says. It says in everything that you do, going to bed and getting up and, and everything that you do, I don't know about putting a tattoo on your face that says God's good, but you do you, right? But whatever you do, whatever you do, in everything that you do, point to God's goodness, that's what the challenge is. Point to how good God is. Parents, if you want your kids to grow up and know that God is good, 
then tell them that he is good. Show them how he has been good and how we can trust he will be good. You know, it's really easy for us, not just parents, but anybody, to be really negative and complaining about everything going on in our world. Man, it's so hard and it's so tough and this sucks and this is hard and blah, 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 blah. And it's really difficult. It's really easy to go down the list of all the things that are difficult. But what if we just got used to, in the habit of, talking about the goodness and grace of God. Hey, this thing is really hard. Man, we're struggling financially, but we know God is faithful. Man, this thing is really scary, but we know that God is present and with us. What if your family made a habit of going around the dinner table and saying, saying this is how I saw God today? It, it, and you just asked your kids, man, hey, how did you see God today? It's gonna take some time of you modeling, but what if you just regularly were in the habit of, hey, this is how I saw God in my life today? No matter what role you play in the family, what if you just chose to serve your family rather than be served? Chose to give rather than get like we just talked about, right? Like, like think about it like this. I was thinking about when, when it's someone's birthday in our family, we go out of our way to help them to serve them, right? Because it's their birthday. We, we are a little bit more forgiving to our, our, our annoying little brother is still that annoying little brother. Nothing's changed except for the fact that it's their birthday. So we're a little bit more forgiving for them. We're a little bit more able to serve them. We're a little bit more just willing to help what if we started treating our family like every day was their birthday? Like, like hey, it, I don't, it, not just one day a year, but we chose to serve. This is a gospel opportunity, to point, a chance to point to Jesus, to what Jesus has done for us. If we're gonna lead our family, we have to look for gospel opportunities. And if we're gonna notice these moments and see them and recognize them, we can't just sit back and wait for them to happen to us. We've got to engage. We've got to look. We've got to pay attention, which leads us to the E. We've got to look for gospel opportunities, and the E is we've got to engage actively. We've got to engage actively. Just this last week, um, there was a moment where I was tempted uh, to tune out and, and get upset with my daughter, June. We have uh, a daughter, her name is June. You'll, there's a picture of her at some point, but you can see her. Everybody say, oh my gosh, right, whatever. Uh, you, you see her, that's June. And so she, uh, I was, I, there was a moment, we got home Thursday night um, and, and you know, we were doing our thing, hanging out, whatever, and then all of a sudden she gets hungry. Now, parents in the room, you know that kids, sometimes they don't just get hungry, they get hangry, right? Like they get hangry, and that's where she was at. She was at that point where, I mean, we do too. We, let's be honest, right? We get hangry. She was, she was hangry. Like she was ready to just throw, I don't know what she, whatever, right? So I decided I'm gonna go, I'm gonna make her some mac and cheese. She loves mac and cheese. What kid doesn't, right? Mac and cheese. And so we, uh, start, I start making it. And you know, if you know anything, uh, if you're a football fan, you know that Thursday night was like the first night of football, right? And so, so what I wanted to do, right, is I wanted to like be on my phone while I'm making mac and cheese, while she's screaming at me, I wanted to be on my phone and I wanted to search up like, how can I, how can I watch the game? How can I pay attention? And I'm, I'm checking my fantasy football team, hey, how, making sure everything's in line, making sure everything's in place, whatever, right? But she's at my feet screaming at me. And guys, I, I know that like you see her right now and you're like, how could you ignore that? She was screaming, like I'm not talking, like she's got some lungs on her, okay? She's either gonna be a singer like her mom or she's just gonna scream for a living, I don't know but she can scream, she was hangry. And so she's at my feet screaming and I have this moment where I'm a little bit tempted to get upset with her, to get mad at her, right? To be like, stop, like this is not okay. I mean, but she's a one and a half year old that just wants to spend time with her dad. 
She loves to be held. She loves to be a part of things. She loves to just watch people cook. She loves to, and I'm standing there and I'm like this idiot, like wanting to watch football. And so I had a moment to just realize like I'm being ridiculous. And I had to put my phone down and sure, yeah, like my arm gets tired from holding her forever. And yeah, like when I give her the chance to stir things, like it takes forever and it, it doesn't actually help. It's more hurting than helping, right? But, and, and I didn't get to watch the game and all these things, but I got to spend time with my daughter. And what a gift that is. Man, we have to be careful and attentive to how we treat our family, to our attitude, to the people that live with us. We are far too easily disengaged and lazy and apathetic. We just don't care about them. We need to watch out for this attitude in our families. We might see the responsibility of parenting as a burden rather than a gift. Man, we need to watch out. We're so distracted with everything, going, everything else going on in our world and everything happening that we are, are tempted to tune them out and let the distractions win. And so we need to ask ourselves, what's, what's distracting me? And what's really stopping me from spending time with my family? Is it, my, is it the TV? Is it a phone? Or is it laziness? Is it busyness? Man, is it valuing work over family? Do I use school or work as an escape from the responsibility in my home? Man, if, if we were to look at your screen time and compare it to your family time, how would those add up? What, what are you saying to your family when, when they want to spend time with you? And I'm talking more than just parents. I'm talking to every person in the room. What are you saying to your family when you're, they want to hang out with you and you're just scrolling on your phone? You're, you're telling them that they're nothing more than an interruption. And parents, I want you to know that parenting is not an interruption. If you've been given the privilege of parenting, that is the objective. Everything else is the interruption. Parenting is the objective. Everything else is the interruption. If you say you value your kids, show them. We talk about more is caught than taught. Man, if they will, they will value, they will believe what you say rather, well, they will believe what you do rather than what you say. It's got to line up. So put the phone down. Turn the TV off, right? Make family dinners a priority with no technology. Teenagers, Come out of your room, right? Get out of your room and spend time with people that love you and care about you. No matter what role we play in the family, we've got to engage with the people closest to us. You know, in, uh, in the Bible, there's a moment where Joshua, everybody say Joshua. Joshua reminds uh, the Israelite people um, to, to, to actively choose who they will worship and serve. And I think it's a reminder for us today. Joshua 24, it says, if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose, everybody say choose. Choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or will it be the gods of the Amorites in, whom, in whose land you now live? But he says, but as for me and my family, we will what? serve the Lord. And some of us, we know this. Some of us, we've heard this, probably because it's on like a cheesy Christian sign up in your house, right? But listen, but listen, and that's great. That's awesome. But it needs to be more than just a sign in your walkway. It needs to be more than just a sign that you put up because it sounds good. This is an active choice to worship and serve the Lord. In my house, this is what we do. We serve the Lord. Serving the Lord is not a passive thing, it's active, and you have the opportunity to model that for your family. And we, you can either actively choose to serve the Lord or you will passively worship yourself. What will we choose to do? Parents, you are the primary discipler of your kids. The question is not, 
who, the question is not, are my kids being discipled? The question is, who or what will they be discipled by? Are, they, are you gonna allow them to be discipled by TikTok or you? Are you gonna allow them to ask questions just on Google or are you gonna let them show them they can come to you? Man, do you know, do you know who your kids are following on, on Instagram and TikTok? And do you, we, we let them hit follow, 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 but do you know where they're leading them? Man, you are the primary disciple. You've been given the responsibility and the privilege. It's not enough just to take your kids to church and drop them off and hope for the best. No, our, our, our job, our role as parents is not to raise good kids that make good decisions. Our job is to make, raise godly kids that love Jesus. And guess what? The more, when they choose to love Jesus over everything else, they will make good decisions because it just makes sense. This is our job. And I want you to know that we are here, we are here as the church to partner with you as you raise your kids. We're here to partner with you. We don't just sit back and do nothing. We're here to partner with you as you disciple your kids. Our goal in kids ministry, our goal in junior high and in high school is to spend time having helpful conversations with your kids in small groups and in teaching and in worship and these things and then for them to continue that as you go home for you to continue that as you go home. Church is absolutely important. and they, you, ch- Small groups and church need to be a priority in our home. It is so important, so much more important than all of some, a lot of the things that we sign our kids up for. But we can't, it's not enough to just drop them off and think that's the end of our job. You've got to talk to your kids about sex. You've got to talk to your kids about pornography. You've got to talk to them about dating and friendships and commitments and drinking and all of these things. And then when you do, some of us, we think, okay, that's, that's really difficult. How do I do that? How am I supposed to do that? We know, but how are we supposed to do that? Listen, we do it because by going to the teachings of Jesus. Your job is to lead them to Jesus. You are to say to them, hey, in our family, we serve Jesus. So let's look at what Jesus says about this issue. Let's look at what Jesus, because that is what will it'll be lasting. Man, and that takes some of the pressure off of us because we look in the scripture and we say, this is what Jesus says about sex. This is what Jesus says about marriage or whatever topic you want to plug in. You have the opportunity to be the primary disciple to your kids. And maybe you're in here and you're not a parent, but you have the opportunity to model this for your family as you engage with them, to model that you choose to worship and serve Jesus. And so how can you make family time a priority? How can you actively engage? It doesn't happen by accident. Don't allow your family just to live as roommates. Man, live as a family. Maybe the way we can change that and make that shift is just by being vulnerable and honest, by being open with and real with one another, which leads us to the A. We've got to look for gospel opportunities. We've got to engage actively. And the A, we've got to apologize often. We've got to apologize often. This one's pretty straightforward. It makes sense to us. We know we should apologize, but it's, it's difficult to be this honest and vulnerable, right? It's dis- difficult to own up to our kids that I make mistakes too, but choosing to own up to your mistakes and apologize is showing them that you rely on the grace of Jesus just as much as they do, that you are in desperate need of him just as much as they are. What a gift that we have to point them to the gospel. This is a gospel opportunity like we just talked about. The Bible says that we all fall short. That doesn't leave you out. So stop acting like it. Tell, show your family, man, listen, I messed up and I need Jesus. 
We get to do this. We get to live in the freedom of confession because we've been forgiven. First John says it like this. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all wickedness. We can apologize and confess because we know that Jesus has forgiven us. When we believe in the gospel, no mistake is fatal because of what Jesus has accomplished on the cross. And how cool is it that we can point our kids and our family to that truth by not pretending to have it all together, but saying, man, I'm sorry. Telling our kids or our family or whoever it is, I'm sorry that I raised my voice. You don't deserve to be talked to that way. I'm sorry that I said those things to you. I don't believe that about you. Whatever the case is, we've got to apologize. This can lead our family to the feet of Jesus, to fall in love with him, which leads us to this last one. We gotta look for gospel opportunities. We gotta engage often. We have to apologize often, engage actively, apologize often, and we got to delight in Jesus. We've got to delight in Jesus. You know, the, um, a, a few weeks ago, I was in this room off to this right side, and I got to, I saw there was a, a family a few rows in front of me. And, uh, and I just, I was watching as the dad um, was in, a, in worship and he decided to raise his hands in worship. Just out of his love for Jesus, he just decided I'm gonna worship Jesus. And I, and I watched as his son, probably four or five years old or so, just looked up to his dad. He looked up to his dad and as his dad raised his hand at the same time, he just imitated his dad and raised his hand and just watching his dad. Man, and I got to watch this happen in front of me and I just got to see that, man, this family had a worship moment together and it wasn't forced, it wasn't manipulative, it wasn't like I've got to manufacture this moment. The dad didn't bend down and say, hey son, this is what we do, this is why we do it, this is how we do it, blah, 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 blah. No, 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 the dad just out of his love and desire for Jesus, desired to worship him and his son imitated him. This is our role as family members. Do you delight in Jesus? We delight in a lot of things. Do we delight in Jesus? Does your family notice? Man, to delight in Jesus is to be overcome, overwhelmed, compelled, and controlled by the love of Christ. Paul says it like this in 2 Corinthians. For the love of Christ does what? The love of Christ does what? Controls us. He says, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. In Colossians, it says, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives, and that will change everything. When the message of Christ gets in us, it does something to us on the outside and people recognize and people notice. Your family will see a difference. People should notice a difference. When we really have fully understood the weight of the gospel, it changes everything. When we delight in Jesus, it's contagious. Allow the joy of the Lord to draw your family members in. Man, do you delight in Jesus? Let your family catch you doing so. Let them catch you spending time in his word. Let them catch you worshiping and honoring him. If you have unbelieving family members, we aren't, our job is not to go down the list of all the things they're doing wrong. Our job is, man, what if we just decided that I'm just gonna enjoy time with Jesus and show them what they're missing? What if we just modeled that for them? 
You know, all the three other things we talked about, looking for gospel opportunities, engaging actively, apologizing often, all of these things just make complete way more sense when we delight in Jesus. And they're so much easier. When we delight in Jesus, we will see gospel opportunities. We will want to engage with our family. And man, of course we're gonna apologize because we know we don't have it all together and we desperately need Jesus. Rather than feeling we have to like pull together and manufacture moments of discipleship in our family, they just happen naturally when we choose to delight in Jesus. And it, it starts with you. Gosh, being part of a family can be so much fun. It can be awesome. It can also be really difficult, but we've all got them. We've all got family. Let's choose to be intentional about the way we lead them. Let's lead our family well, looking for gospel opportunities, engaging actively, apologizing often, and delighting in Jesus. Our families would be different if we were to lead intentionally. How cool would it be? How cool would it be if the world, we got to model for the world, as the church, we get to model for the world what God's design for family is. Man, I, I guarantee that neighborhoods can be transformed by the way that you lead your family to Jesus. Maybe the, maybe the, the, the problems that we have with the school system start with you and your family choosing to worship and serve Jesus. You have influence in your family. Let's be people that lead our families well. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the families that are represented in this room. Man, we know, that, we know that family can be difficult in seasons and in life. And we know that, that extended family and close family, and it can just be, it can be tough sometimes, God. And we are in desperate need of you. We need your help. We need your wisdom. We need your guidance. Help us to see that we have influence on our family and to, to choose to show them what it looks like to serve you and follow you. With our kids, show us how to help them fall deeply in love with you more than anything else in this world. Would they choose to love you, Jesus? Show us the areas where we are, we are tempted to disengage and would you convict us to choose to step in and love our families well? We need your help, Jesus. And we trust you completely. We love you and we give you all glory and honor and praise in your name, amen.